Welcome to the Home Ownership and Marriage Podcast with the Low Property Team, where it is all about running a successful business together and balancing a healthy marriage. Host Jarrell and Brittany Lowe. Purpose and passion is to help you create the life you want by turning your combined passions into generational wealth while sharing what they've learned on their journey with you. Let's get started. Hello, hello, and thank you so much again for joining us on another episode. My name is Brittany Lowe. And I'm Jarrell Lowe. And we are the Lowe Property Team. Today, we're going to be jumping into another episode of our Road to Homeownership series, which we are so excited about. Yes. And we thought we would get right into covering the pre-approval process. Yes. You know, we have a plethora of experience working with buyers, and the main questions we probably get 99.9% of the time, all vary around the pre-approval process. Mm. So we thought that covering this in depth would be super helpful um, just for understanding how it all works. Because let's be honest, purchasing a home is a big investment. And we want to be sure that you put yourself in a good position financially and have all the necessary information to do so. So let's first discuss the differences between what a pre-qualification is and what a pre-approval is. Yes, and I think just discussing the pre-qual and pre-approval, let's take a step back real quick. And the fun part, right, of click shopping, I'm, I'm looking, I'm searching, I'm finding the things that I want, but mm-hmm. where the nuts and bolts kick in, where it starts to happen is when we get to the financing part of this, mm-hmm. owning a home. So when we're talking about pre-qualification and pre-approval, I have to be transparent and admit, uh, omit that I, when we were going through the process, I truly believe this was the same identical thing, just a term that was bounced back and forth. And for me, I didn't want to ask this question out loud because I was like, oh, it's just uh, um, knowledge that we should all have. Oh, it's just a pre-approval and it's just a pre-qualification. It's the same thing. But in reality, it's not the same thing. And we'll get in depth with that. But I just want to highlight a couple of points of differences between the pre-qualification and the pre-approval. For your pre-qualification, it is more of a non-formal process. What does that mean? There is no direct connection. There is no opportunity where you're availing some details about your profile to the lender, right? A pre-qual can be just you shopping lenders or looking for a lender that's going to work great for you. I think when we talk about that not as formal, it's really not going in depth about some things in regards to your debt to income ratio. How can you really qualify for that $750,000 home? And how do we fine tune our package? As Brittany and I have spoken about, we believe in price, presentation, and package. How do we fine tune that package so we can get the home that we desire? Yeah, and it's really just a, I almost want to say like a verbal, it's a rough estimate, you know, of how much that you can borrow. And what I would say is that now if you're wanting to purchase a home within the next two months, you want to skip that process and go straight to getting a pre-approval. But if you are saying, you know what, in the next year or two, I want to consider purchasing a home, going and speaking with a lender 
And just getting a pre-qualification is a great thing because one, your credit is not pulled and you're not having to submit all the documentation that goes into the process. Like Jarrell said, it's just a rough estimate of how much you can borrow. And like we always say, have the information up front so that you can make the best decision moving forward in creating that game plan. So those are the situations where we would definitely encourage or say, Go get a pre-qualification if you don't even know the time frame or the deadline that you're wanting to purchase. Yeah. And it's all based on what you're trying to do, right? Mm-hmm. And that's what Brittany's highlighting. So, and with that pre-approval, let's just talk about the pre-approval because this is the one that is very uh, detailed. And we, I think we discussed it last episode where we talked about debt to income. We mm-hmm. talked about credit score. Well, now you're having a formal application and commitment with the lender of your choice. It states how much you can borrow, meaning your pre-approval is going to be up to the amount of whatever you can borrow. We always, we always, we always recommend for our first-time buyers, do not feel forced to take the max of your amount. Why? Because you don't want to run into any challenges. Just stay with, if my umbrella is 500000 I'm looking lower than that, right? I don't want to hit that buffer right at 500000 because things are going to get tight during underwriting. Things oh. are going to... And we also want to leave room for negotiation um, just in case that there's multiple other buyers that are wanting the property as well. You want to have a competitive package. Um, and what that comes down to is financing. So we always say leave, leave a buffer, leave some room. And uh, the next point uh, about the pre-approval that I do want to highlight is it states what an estimated rate will be, meaning what your interest rate will be. Please note, we don't get the rate lock until we're a few weeks out, a week or two out from closing date. The rate lock is the final rate that you're going to have for your loan, for your home loan, uh, whether it's a 30-year, whether it's a 15-year. So right now, we're just getting that estimated based on your package, everything that you're bringing to the table, here's what we're expecting what that rate is going to be for your interest. And the reason that you don't get it locked immediately is because rates change daily. Lastly, that pre-approval, and Brittany highlighted this a few moments ago. You know, the pre-qualification is great for education, but if you're really in that one to three months or one to four months of wanting to own, that pre-approval is what you're aiming for. That pre-approval also makes your offer that much stronger. When we're submitting offers on homes, and uh, that we just mentioned this, that that price presentation and uh, package, we want to submit the best package possible. How? We're not only submitting the offer on the home, we're submitting the pre-approval, we're submitting the proof of funds, and we're also contact having the lender follow up in contact because we know that you really found this home and you really like it, so let's make the strongest push possible to get you in it. And that's what it is. It's submitting a clean offer with supporting documents to show that you're a valid candidate uh, to purchase this home. Um, And another thing that I just want to uh, note really quick about the pre-approval process is that a lot of a lot of folks are intimidated by getting pre-approved or speaking with a lender. It's an intimidating process, yeah. right? Because you have to disclose a lot of information yeah. um, to get a pre-approval letter. So I will always say this, and Jarrell will say the same, is that interview lenders, 
you know, ask, ask as many questions as you can to different lenders. And from there, find out who's the right fit for you. Just because you speak to one lender doesn't mean that you are required to go with that lender. You can talk to as many lenders as you like. Ask them those questions, you know, especially if they're a local lender. And this is something that we always say. This is this is a big item in terms of being a strong, competitive buyer is having a local lender, yeah. right? And also local lenders are able to offer you, you know, some programs that maybe somebody out of the area might not be able to. So just like... In the initial process of finding a realtor, do the same with the lender as well. Ask, ask how many questions, ask, you know, here's, give me options on based on the loan or based on how much I want to put down, et cetera. Ask a handful of questions. Um, And so with those questions, I do want to just kind of give some framework to it. When you are, um, you know, in the process, you've spoken with the lender, you said, okay, I want to go with this person. The big, the big two questions you want to ask is one, how much do I, how much do you want your monthly payment to be around? Once you figure that out, then that lender is going to ask you the same thing. Is mm-hmm. they're going to say, how much do you want? So have that number in mind of a range of what you want it to be with. Um, the second question they're likely going to ask you is how much are you willing to put down, right? Your down payment. Um, and then keep in mind, depending on the loan, the down payment can vary from anywhere from 3%, you know, 3.5, 5%, 10%, whatever. And it's also based on the loan that you do have. But yeah. those are the two main questions that they're going to ask. So those are super important just to have of knowing how much cash reserves that you have, um, you know, and then at least knowing what your monthly payment of what you want to be around. And I think, I think and more importantly, before we go to step two, number two, I want to highlight, yes, asking those questions and a plethora of other questions that come up because there's going to be so many things that are happening. And sometimes you just have to press pause and say, Hey, Brittany, Hey, Jarrell, what does this mean? Hey, lender, whoever the, the lender is, or that has done your pre-approval, can you get them on the phone and have a conversation about what's coming up? Leading from that, we know that there's a plethora amount of programs. We know you can put down anything from 3% to 20%. But I think what's also important to note, which we should all know, but I think we need to note it, is the factors of the pre-approval. One, your credit score, right? If you have a decent credit score anywhere, we've helped clients from 650 and up. And if you have a decent credit score, the higher your credit score, the lower the interest rate we can expect to be. Second is the cash reserves, the cash reserves that you're bringing to the table. How much are you putting down and what closing costs are you covering? There's programs that will cover your closing costs, but I do want to note this. If, if anyone, if there is any support that you're getting, just note that the interest rate will go up possibly a little bit. And I say that to say this, I, I, I just have to reference because it's what was taught to me. There's nothing free in this world. So if I'm using a program that's helping with down payment assistance, yes, it's going to help me get into the home, but it's going to be added on to the back end of that loan. Mm -hmm. Next is your income. What do you have W-2 income? What can you verify? What is verifiable and what can you show? So your income is a big component because they want to see, have I been at this job for two plus years? Have I been doing this work in this amount of time frame? And have I shown consistency, right? Because what they're lending, they're lending the money to you to purchase this home based on your your work history, 
what you've done, how much you've paid, because they can speculate and say, you know what, Drell and Brittany can qualify for 500000 because they've been doing this for two plus years and have the tax returns to show it. And last but not least, uh, last but not least, I think I mentioned it, but we'll go ahead and reference it again, is your debt to income ratio. If you're making $2,000 a month and you have $1,500 a month in debt, your ratio is going to be pretty bad. So my first recommendation would be get your debt to income ratio under control. Take advantage or take control of the ones that you can attack early on and then snowball the rest. I don't want you guys to get overwhelmed like, well, maybe I just can't own a home and maybe this is not meant for me. It is. I'm going to tell you, just as we've always told our clients, it's not going to be easy, but it's going to be well worth it when you go through the process and everything happens and you're able to receive the keys in hand. Mm -hmm. And then the various kinds of loans, you know, just there's a plethora of them, but the main ones are FHA, conventional and VA. So FHA, the minimum required that you're allowed to put down is 3.5%. Now, if you determined for yourself that you want to put down more, that's totally fine. But you cannot put down less than 3.5. Conventional, um, in traditional, I would say terms, the minimum is 5%. But there's also I was going to say vendors, lenders <laughs> yeah. that um, we work with as well and that we've came across and had the opportunity uh, to work on transactions with that based on a very, very strong package, they've yeah. been able to do lower than the kind of minimum standard of 5%. And then the last is just a veteran's loan. So that is specifically for folks that um, – are um, a veteran. So I've served in our military yeah, served, in some capacity. It, it cannot be that my, you know, great grandma's best friend's sister, um, you know, served and now I want to use um, uh, a VA loan. Yeah. No. It has to be yourself. Yeah. Your um, service work. Exactly. No. And I think, I, I think I want to highlight this on this, uh, if I can, Brittany. Um, right now we're working with a client. And this client can jump back and forth between FHA mm-hmm. and conventional. And that's great because the and ability to There do is so. huge benefits to that. Why? Because we can tweak the offer based on the home that we're submitting for. Meaning if, she, if she's able to come more competitive, depending on how much competition the house is having, right? In our market, we're seeing right now at this time, uh, we're seeing about 10 to 12 offers on a home right now. So we can flip back and forth based on, based on what the home is doing, how much of her needs are met, and what package does she want to work with on this property. And that's great to do because for some properties, and we'll be honest, they don't ex- uh, accept FHA funding. They, you know, f- think of specifically for the Bay Area condos and townhomes, mm. they typically only accept uh, conventional or cash. And the reason being is just because there's more restrictions with FHA. Now, being completely transparent, we, like we said, we have a lot of first time home buyers that we work with and we love working with first time home buyers. You know, most of them are FHA and they come to us and they say, you know, oh, we're worried, you know, we got a pre-approved, but our loan is FHA, you know, because the stigma around FHA in society right now is, oh, shoot, I can't get my offer accepted because I have an FHA loan. And that is so incorrect. We helped so many different individuals and families left last year purchase their very first home with an FHA loan. 
It can be done. Yes, there are more restrictions. You just have to be patient. Yeah. And we have to, you know, go through the process together and find the right house um, for you. And that will happen. Absolutely. Um, it has always happened. So definitely don't get um, beat down or discouraged based on, you know, whatever your pre-approval, pre-approval amount is or based on what kind of loan that you receive. Now, if you want to change it and say, no, I really want this, then you can simply go to the lender that you had selected and said, say, okay, you pre-approved me for this much, but I want to be more competitive. What would you recommend that I do for my package to be more competitive? If I wanted to flip from FHA to conventional and they would give you the necessary steps of pay off this, do this, do this. So there's many ways to go around it. Absolutely. And I think it's creating that game plan that Brittany is referencing. And while you're creating that game plan and you're working on the next step, I want to talk about a mortgage. What is the mortgage and what is it compiled of? Mm -hmm. Before you turn off this podcast, I want you to know this is stuff that we all need to know. So if you already know it, it's okay. But this is stuff we all need to know because what is a mortgage? When do I get my mortgage, Brittany? We closed on the home and when should I expect my first payment to kick in? Mm -hmm. Right? Well, what's compiled of your, what are the four main components of your mortgage? Principle. It pays towards the equity on your home. It's paid directly to the principal balance of your loan. Interest. It's paid to the, so if my interest, right, what is, uh, what, what, what are we at right now? Three, let's just say it's 3%, all right? Yeah, just, it, well, as of yesterday, I think it was 3.6. Yeah, something like that, right? So that 3.6 on a $500,000 loan, I'm not going to do the math right now, but that's the principal that we will be paying. If you're utilizing a 30-year fixed loan, 30-year fixed mortgage, right, loan, you're going to be paying heavy interest in the first five to seven years, and then it tapers off. Mm -hmm. And at that five to seven-year mark is when you're going to be paying, it's going to increase in your principal payment. So when you're in the tail end of your uh, 30-year, let's say you're at year 15, a lot of your payments, if it's 2000 a month, you're going to see about 15, 1600 of it going directly to principal. So the first portion of your mortgage in the first five years is going to be uh, interest heavy. And then after five to seven years, you're going to see it pick up in principal. The third component is taxes. This is state and local taxes for owning the home. And the last one is insurance. We always encourage clients to, you know, bundle your insurance, whatever works best for you, make it make sense. But these are what compile a mortgage payment monthly. So when you're saying, man, where's all this money? Why? All this stuff is changing. It is always going to be principal, interest, taxes, insurance. Which is also commonly known as PITI. So if you ever see that on a document, that's, you know, the acronym for it and what that means and as I want to note too as tedious and maybe even silly as just going through this nitty-gritty line by line so many people are aware of all of this information but there are so many people that also aren't aware of this information and that's okay you know we just want to be sure that you have the information because you know like we said, we have so many clients that we work with, buyers, sellers, even sellers that haven't even sold for the very first time and then they're buying again and they said, okay, wait, what's the difference between this and this and this? It's a lot of information 
Um, and we always say ask questions because here's the thing. If you don't ask questions, how are you going to get the information? Well, it's also assumed that you know exactly. if you don't ask questions, right? Exactly. So, so if you don't tell us or ask us questions or ask the lender questions, yes, that that's very correct. We are just going to assume that you've got it, that you understand. understand. So yeah. just like, what do they say in school? If you have a question, speak up. Yeah. <laughs> no question is a stupid question. Just ask the question. Just get it out Because um, we get it all the time. And I think that this is why we're trying to cover this you know, home homeowner series kind of in depth is just so that you have the information that you can refer to at any moment in time. Um, I do want to note, though, some kind of tips just overall of the pre-approval process. Um, and your lender will tell you this. Your realtor will tell you this. Um, heck, Google will tell you this. Yeah. No big purchases should be made once you're pre-approved. So you you just received um, a pre-approval letter from the lender that you selected to go with, and you're pre-approved for eight hundred thousand. That doesn't mean at that new mo- that next day that you're going to go buy a Tesla, a brand new TV for your man cave, whatever. There should be no big purchases once you're pre-approved. And then also, you can make all those big purchases. Once you get the keys in hand. Yeah. So there's definitely that waiting period because we don't want anything to fluctuate. Yeah. It's the same thing with no new credit or debit added. Now, granted, you know, when you do receive that pre-approval, it's not, okay, don't use a dime or, you know, don't get any more in debt for however long until you find your house. Just be very aware of big, big purchases, right? Of going and buying a, um, you know, going on vacation or like we said, a new car. The last note is just no job changes. Um, Getting a new job or, you know, um, getting a a raise is a great thing. Mm. Now, if you just drastically relocate and, and a whole new department, a whole new field, we would just say at least wait until... Um, again, you get keys in hand. Our client that we worked with previously this year did the same thing. He got the new job. He was midway through escrow. Um, and then he just told that new job, hey, you know, I'm in escrow right now and I need to wait until this close. Yeah. Once it closes, I will accept and change the job. Right. So that just creates uh, a seamless process for everybody on your team with the realtor, with the lender and with title. We don't want any hiccups and if we can avoid those big three things um, you're more than likely to have a very smooth and seamless what we call transaction but for you would just kind of you know a transition period yeah yeah. and I think what Brittany is highlighting what the tips is look once we get pre-approved settle in and let's just hold pace right now right I don't want us to go get a new Tesla like Brittany referenced or a new Mercedes Yes, if you believe you deserve it, we absolutely agree. But that is going to change your debt to income ratio. Just hold off until the end. And then the no new credit or debt. Don't increase. Like if you're going on vacation, let's just hold on. Whatever the period, the, the escrow period is, 21 days, 25 days, 30 days. If we can just hold still and just get through this process, because underwriting, they're going to be asking a lot of questions. If we haven't said it before, there's going to be a lot of documentation. There's going to be a lot of paperwork. And you're going to be like, my goodness, they're ripping my life apart right now. But really, it's just verifying and and, and and ensuring that that home they're getting ready to fund or fund you for is actually worth their while, worth their investment. 
And we'll be honest that if you do choose to make a big purchase or a job change, it's going to be more of a headache for you during escrow to do that. So those are just, you know, common some tips that we just wanted to cover just overall with this process. Um, I'm trying to think if we're missing anything else, but I think for the most part, we have really just the pre-approval process covered. Yeah, I think with the uh, Road to Homeownership series, it is not the fun stuff that you like to listen to, but what we promised and what we wanted to do was if you're driving to work today listening to it and you needed to refresh yourself on something you can drive tomorrow and replay this episode right over again we want it to be actionable and accessible to you and here's the thing for our visual learners out there please please remember that we also have our first time home buyers guide so if listening you're like i want more information i want to read i want to research i want to write some stuff down shoot us an email, reach out to us, you know, via phone, we'd be more than happy to send that your way just so that you can utilize that for more information. Um, and just, you know, and to assist you in the home buying process. And to send you on your way, I'm going to drop a little nugget. We are doing hosting our first time home buyers webinar that we want you all to be a part of. So, so be very soon that be on the lookout. Haven't released that's a date coming. yet. <laughs> We're working out the kinks and everything. But please, the Road to Home Ownership series is about you. It's actionable. It's obtainable. And yes, we deserve to own our home. But as me and Brittany always promise and inform, it's not going to be easy. It's going to be challenging, but well worth it. And ask questions. Hey, Catch us on the next episode. We're going to take one more one more deep dive into it. And then we have what is called the Homeownership Series. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of Homeownership and Marriage with the Low Property Team. If you would like more information, helpful resources, or would like to book a personal consultation with the Lowe's, head over to lowpropertyteam.com. If you enjoyed today's episode, Jarrell and Brittany would be so grateful if you shared their podcast with a friend and leave them a review on iTunes or wherever you are listening. The Low Property Team would like to say thank you for supporting their show and being a listener. See you next time on another episode of Homeownership and Marriage.